Welcome to A Passion for Christ, a heart-to-heart conversation with pastors called to build the kingdom of God here in Southern California. Now here's your host, KKLA's Director of Ministry, Richard Kennedy. Well, welcome to A Passion for Christ. I'm Richard Kennedy. I'm so glad you tuned in tonight. We have a very special program for you. You're going to walk away saying, I didn't know that. Today in studio, we have a rabbi, Rabbi Gary Drashinsky. He's from Beth Ariel Fellowship in Canoga Park, and it's a Messianic congregation. And you might say, well, what is that? Well, if you stay with us, you're going to find out, because this is a very special church. Rabbi, it's great to have you here. Oh, it's wonderful to be here, Richard. Thank you for having me. Well, listen, if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you were called into the, into the ministry. Well, uh, I had come to faith back in 1971. I was 17. I was in high school at the time. And I had a good friend who was raised a Roman Catholic. Okay. He had told me that he had become a Christian. I was really surprised by that because I knew that he wasn't Jewish. And so I said to him, "Uh, weren't you always a Christian? And uh, he said, uh, no, I had been Christianized. I had memorized the Baltimore Catechism. I had taken partaken of holy communion i'd been part of uh the choir and made confession and all of those things but he said he had never come to know god personally mm-hmm. as he had recently um become acquainted with the lord and he told me that he invited him into his heart and into his life and that he now knew god for the first time well deep down inside i was somewhat taken aback by that a little angry because he was talking about knowing god personally and he would make reference to uh, those biblical characters that i had grown up with abraham moses david and here was this catholic telling me that he was having a close relationship with God, like these important Jewish characters that I had grown up with being raised in an Orthodox Jewish home. Amazing. And so he had said to me, uh, so I just said, uh, Charlie, I'm happy for you. And I didn't know, really know what to say. So I, he looked happy, and so I figured I, was, I should be happy for him. And Charlie had said to me, uh, you know, happiness doesn't have a whole lot to do with it. It's a matter of truth. If mm. Jesus was the Messiah, wouldn't you want to believe in him, he said. And uh, I said, sure, if he really is the Messiah, but how are we supposed to know that? He asked me if I had ever read about Jesus for myself. I told him I never had. Being raised in an Orthodox Jewish home, I was told never to read the New Testament, never to uh, consider embracing Jesus. We as Jews had Moses. The Christians had Jesus. We had the Old Testament. They had the New Testament. Right. And that the two would never meet. Mm. But um, I wanted to appear open-minded to my friends. So when he said, have you ever read about Jesus for yourself? I said, no. And he said, well, if I give you a Bible with the New Testament, will you read it? And uh, I told him I would. But he didn't have a Bible with him, so I figured I was <laughs> home safe. clear, right? I was safe. So he said, well, listen, I'll walk home with you. And 
he stopped by his church and took a Bible out of the pew and handed it to me. It was a Bible that was placed there by the Gideons. It was a King James Version, red-letter edition. I didn't know what, what any of those things meant at the time. But I brought it home. you thought he was stealing a Bible, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so uh, he gave me the Bible. I brought it home. And under my covers at night with a flashlight, I started reading the Gospel of Matthew. Now, we know that, according to Scripture, that no man is drawn to the Lord or to Christ without the Holy Spirit working in his life. Were you aware that God was drawing you at that time? No, not really. Um, You know, I had certainly identified with his joy, Mm -hmm. and I was curious about Jesus, never having read about him for myself. And I suppose those factors, and there was a little bit of tension, anger perhaps inside about him having a personal relationship, relationship. with God and mine, and I knowing that I did not. Hmm. And all hmm. of those things sort of coalesced to drive me to at least read about Jesus for myself. So you were reading the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like... You were able to put a new pair of glasses on or the scales dropped off your eyes? I mean, how did – Gary, how did you become a believer? Oh, absolutely. I had not anticipated the things I was about to read. Uh, mm-hmm. When the Gospel of Matthew opens up, it says, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And I was wondering, what was David and Abraham doing in this part <laughs> of the Bible? You know, Because I was always told, it's for the Gentiles. So why all the, these Jewish men? And when I would read the Sermon on the Mount, it was very much like a portion of the Talmud called the Pirkei Avot, the sayings of the fathers. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of symmetry um, between the two. And then when I would read Matthew, and he would say, this was to fulfill that which was spoken by the prophet, and all these Jewish elements. And I started getting the feeling that somebody was holding out on me and telling me not to read the New Testament and that it wasn't for me, when in fact I was seeing all of these connections that were wow. certainly for me. And as I was reading about Jesus, I also began to I don't know how else to explain it, but to really fall in love with him. Um, I began to enjoy him. I began to identify with him somewhat. Mm. I appreciated the Jewish elements he was teaching about and uh, the offer of grace and of acceptance that he was providing. Mm. Mm. And so seeing the connection between the Jewish elements in the life of Jesus, uh, the Jewish underpinnings, the Jewish environment in which all of these events transpired, and the personal needs sort of welling up inside, uh, I came to that point where I said, I want to cast my lot in with Jesus as the Messiah. And I invited him into my life, and when I did, I did feel a flood of joy, a sense of arrival that I finally have come home and indeed had come to know God like my friend had been telling me he knew him. Wow. Oh, Rabbi Gary, that, that makes me jealous, you know, to some degree of that amazing conversion of your historic faith 
to be the reality of a new faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. It's, it's so exciting. Well, if you just tuned in, this is, I'm Richard Kennedy. This is A Passion for Christ. And we have a very special guest tonight with us, Rabbi Gary Dershinsky. He's the rabbi at Beth Ariel Fellowship. I want to keep calling him pastor, but he's a rabbi. And you're going to find out why in a minute, why he calls himself a rabbi today, even though he knows his Savior, Jesus Christ. And they have a very special calling. Tell us a little bit what happened after you came to know Christ. Well, the moment that I invited the Lord into my life, uh, at that same moment, I really felt a calling, uh, a sense of responsibility mm-hmm. that I ought to be sharing what I had just come to experience with other Jewish people like myself. Okay. This was back in 1971. I didn't really know. Uh, how to do that. I I had so much to learn about my own faith and experiences to, uh, to have. But I did have this deep sense inside that I was to tell my people mm-hmm. about the good news. Mm. And the first thing I did was I shared with my parents. Um, and my parents were not too happy uh, <laughs> to hear of what just transpired with their son. Uh, a year later, I graduated high school, and my father had said to me, if you still believe in Jesus when you graduate, well, you take the rest of the summer to find a place to live because you're not staying in my home. Mm. I don't want you to bring your Christian friends here. I don't want to see any of this Christian literature, uh, but you find another place to live. Now, were your parents Orthodox? Were they very in- involved with the Jewish faith? Yes. My family were uh, Orthodox Jewish okay. uh, people. Now, to some degree, some of that Orthodox had began to um, wane a bit. Okay. But my father was raised in Brooklyn. Uh, his family were cantors. He had his father helped establish a number of synagogues in New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we moved out to the suburbs in New Jersey. And uh, of course, I went to Hebrew school when I was like five years old. And that meant that I was uh, at the synagogue studying Jewish history, the Hebrew language, Jewish culture, Jewish religious mm. thought from uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then on Friday evenings, I was at the synagogue for the Sabbath. And on Saturday, I was at the synagogue for Sabbath worship, and I was back in the synagogue on Sunday for a Sunday school uh, in which we were learning more and more about uh, our people, Mm. our history, our culture, our community. And uh, so, yes, I was very much steeped in in Jewish tradition, and my parents, of course, as well. Mm -hmm. So they were very upset, and uh, indeed, at the end of the summer after I graduated high school, I moved out of my, my home. The local church where I'd come to know the Lord had opened their church building to me. It was a home mission church. So missionaries would come home on furlough. They'd stay in the church. And um, there were rooms set up with beds for them to spend a week or two or however Mm -hmm. long they needed. So the pastor told me to pick out one of the rooms, gave me a key, and said, here's your new home. Wow. And so I lived there for uh, for a while until I moved out into my own apartment. And then shortly thereafter, my wife and I were married and uh, lived in our, in our own apartment. <laughs> and, um, and then I was able to, uh, to begin to go to school and uh, attended Northeastern Bible College in Essex Fells, New Jersey. And then from there, 
uh, transferred to um, Dallas Theological Seminary, and then from there went to Gordon-Conwell, where I graduated, and then from there did some postgraduate studies at Harvard Divinity School. So you understand why I want to call you pastor. I mean, you know, Dallas Theological Seminary. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't begrudge the term, you know, pastor being a shepherd of, yes. of God's flock, and I certainly consider that a, an important well, calling and responsibility in my life. Well, but you are a rabbi. I am. The word rabbi means teacher. Teacher. And as such, I am the congregational leader, uh, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. person who is teaching uh, the congregants the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and as such, in the Jewish community, because our ministry is geared toward communicating the good news in a manner in which the Jewish people uh, might listen to it mm-hmm. and might understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is in many of our local churches, the church is somewhat irrelevant to the Jewish community sure, sure. because the holidays are different, the day of worship is different, mm-hmm. the culture is different. Uh, our goal basically as a messianic congregation is number one to enhance our own jewish identity Mm -hmm. because being raised as jews we want to continue to manifest our identity and our uh, practices in a jewish way Mm -hmm. but secondly we're concerned that other jewish people who might not take seriously uh, the good news Mm -hmm. simply because it appears so foreign to them that that good news would appear very relevant and something they can identify with. And so our congregation uh, reflects its worship and its understanding of uh, the good news through Jewish eyes. And Beth Ariel is a a church, but it's a synagogue. Am I correct? Could you, you mm-hmm. explain that, how it works? Well, we refer to it as a messianic congregation. Okay. We certainly could call it a messianic synagogue as well. Okay. Uh, the word synagogue is a Greek word, synagogue, which means assembly. And in the book of James, of course, mm-hmm. James, the, son, the brother of Messiah, mm-hmm. his name is really Jacob. Right. Mm. He's called James because during the King James translation, the translators wanted to honor King James, who financed the translation. So the disciple. <laughs> I never and, knew that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his name is Jacob, you know. And that's part of the Jewish disconnect. Yes, I right? can imagine why. So now when Jewish people come into our congregation and we're talking about the disciple, Jacob, Jacob, the Christians don't know who we're talking about, but the Jewish people do. They understand. <laughs> they the understand book of James. That. It's James. So in the book of James or the book of yeah. Jacob, uh, <laughs> there's that passage that says if someone comes into your assembly mm-hmm. and because they don't meet the social status of the congregation and you have them sit in the back, he says, mm-hmm. aren't you being hypocritical? Mm-hmm. Well, the word for assembly is the word synagogue, and which means synagogue. So James is writing to Jewish believers, and he's saying, when people come into your synagogue, your place of worship, uh, you should treat all people equally. So then you have a very unique place in today's culture, in, in, in the church, I would say, because you have a, a unique purpose, and that is, to, in your mind, to reach the Jewish community. Am I correct? Absolutely. We're, we're not exclusively reaching mm-hmm. the Jewish community. We're desirous that all individuals of whatever background mm-hmm. might come to know Messiah because there's no salvation in any other name mm-hmm. other than the name mm-hmm. of uh, Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah mm-hmm. of Israel. Do you draw a lot of 
uh, traditional Christians to the church? Do they love to come in and become part of the tradition and, and your mission? Yes, because um, they see a certain authenticity yes. about their yes. faith that they may not have experienced, say, in their local church. Mm-hmm. Not because the teachings in the local church are not mm-hmm. um, uh, accurate, but mm-hmm. because the culture is different from what they're reading about mm-hmm. in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we're getting ready to celebrate Hanukkah. Right. And Hanukkah finds itself made reference to, in, in of all places, the New Testament. You know, So we would expect that it would be in the Hebrew Scriptures, right, because it's a Jewish holiday. Right. But it's not mentioned in the Hebrew Scriptures, except prophetically, as the prophet Daniel prophesies of the events associated with Hanukkah, with Hanukkah. in Chapter 8 and Chapter 11. But where Hanukkah is deliberately and clearly uh, presented is in the Gospel of John in John Chapter 10. And it says it was the Feast of the Dedication. Well, Hanukkah means dedication. dedication. And so at this time when the Jewish people are remembering the rededicating of the temple after it was desecrated mm-hmm. by Antiochus Epiphanes and the Syrian Greek armies around 175 years before the time of Jesus, Jesus begins to talk about his messiahship and the miracles that he has performed that mm. authenticate his claim as the Jewish Messiah. And so while Hanukkah is a time of remembering miracles, Yeshua teaches on how his miracles authenticate his claims as the Jewish Messiah. Wow. Rabbi, hold that thought. I just want to <laughs> let people know that if you just tuned in, that's Rabbi Gary Jersinski. He is the rabbi or pastor at Beth Ariel Fellowship in Canoga Park. And this is such an amazing program. So thankful you tuned in because you're going to be so blessed. You probably want to come and visit Beth Ariel just to find out some of the traditions that really become a pointing place to Christ mm-hmm. and the Messiah. And, um, you know, I have to share with you, as you were sharing about Hanukkah, I grew up, my best friend was Stuart Wexler. He was Jewish. Okay. And I loved their family because they loved to celebrate holidays. And I just loved the Passover. I got to do my first Seder with them. I had no clue what they're doing, but I got to wear the beanie and I got to pull the bread out of the. And I thought the, the I called the the uh, envelope, but it wasn't an envelope. Obviously, it was you know where they tucked the bread in. There was a name for it, but I loved it. And I remember practicing his bar mitzvah speech. Baruch took out You know, I, I don't say it right, but it's been a long time. It's pretty close. And I knew it's it better good. than him. And so I'm sitting there in the front row, lipping it as he's trying to do it at his bar uh-huh. mitzvah. You know, and his sister did the bar mitzvah. Wow. So I had such a love for the Jewish people. And when I came to Christ, I was so excited as I started reading the Scripture because I had never read the Bible. And I saw the, as you said, the the holidays and what Passover really was. And, you know, it was just great. So I would imagine when people come to Christ from the background of, of Judaism, not only Hanukkah, but I would think the Passover and Yom Kippur must be incredible for them as you share it with them the first time. Oh, absolutely. Uh, At Beth Ariel, we celebrate all the Jewish holidays, all the Jewish festivals. So last year when we celebrated uh, Passover, we had 270 folks come out and celebrate with us. Mm. And um, we focus on Yeshua, who is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. So Mm. as we remember the blood of the Lamb that was spread on the two side doorposts and the upper lintel in Egypt, 
to protect the firstborn. Uh, we remember the blood of Messiah that is spread on the hearts and minds and lives of individuals that embrace him and therefore are spared, as it were, the angel of death yes. that passes over each and every one of us, and we can experience new life. Mm. Uh, we just celebrated uh, in September Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Trumpets and the Jewish New Year. We celebrated Sukkot, and we uh, build the tabernacles, the booths, and all of these uh, festivals that are rooted in the Jewish experience and are rooted in the Hebrew Scriptures find their ultimate fulfillment and significance in uh, in Yeshua the Messiah because they all are meant to point to Him so that the Jewish people and all people wouldn't miss out on the gift of eternal life that only the Messiah of Israel can provide. Mm. What a blessing. What a what an amazing calling you have, brother. What a blessing. Oh, well, thank you. Know? you. And thank what a blessing you. that Beth Ariel exists. Tell us what is going on currently at Beth Ariel that people may want to participate in or if they want to come to the church. Tell us what's going on. Well, uh, first of all, we're located right in Canoga Park, the west side of the valley. Okay. Um, we're right on uh, Satakoy. Two 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 two, Satakoy <laughs> Street. I guess it is. Yes, it would be. And right near Satakoy and Shoop, and we have a wonderful facility, a wonderful uh, building that, um, when you come in, is just beautiful in its display and uh, warm, welcoming, and inviting. We're getting ready to celebrate Hanukkah, which appears this occurs this night. Uh, the same time Thanksgiving does. Wow. So Wednesday night, the day before Thanksgiving, is the first night of Hanukkah. I'll begin a, a series of messages that uh, I've entitled From Hanukkah to Christmas, A Study of Messianic Prophecy Through Jewish Eyes. Wow. And so we'll look at what the prophets have been saying about the coming of Messiah mm-hmm. and um, and how we can celebrate his uh, coming into our world and his providing us uh, with eternal life. In December, on December 21st, Marty Getz, an international uh, recording artist, uh, will be coming and performing a concert for us. He's an incredible piano player, loves the Lord, Jewish believer, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, to his coming. Marty and is incredible. With us. I've heard him before, and what a blessing because he really ministers to you, and the music is amazing. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and, he uh, just uh, talks to you through his yes. piano playing mm. and leads one very much into the very presence uh, of the Lord. So uh, everyone and anyone who would like to come, certainly welcome to come to Beth Ariel. Well, let me uh, again repeat where they're located. They are in Canoga Park on the corner of Satakoy and and Farallon. And Farallon, okay. Uh, there's a phone number if you want to call to find out more information, 818-610-8600. And again, that's 818-610-8600. Or you can check them out at their website, which is bethariel.org, Beth. Ariel.org. Rabbi, would you mind closing us in a word of prayer as we're going into the weekend and the services? Oh, I'd love to. Okay. Thank you thank for you. inviting me to do that. Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness and your kindness to us. 
And we thank you for this evening where we've been able to reflect on your working in uh, the life of the Jewish people and your coming in the person of Messiah and your offer of the forgiveness of sins to all who would embrace you. And Father, as we uh, prepare for tomorrow's services and as we prepare to worship you and praise you in our congregations, we ask that you might cleanse our hearts, you would ad- uh, attract our attention to you, and that, Father, we would go to our churches, wherever they might be, ready to worship you, to praise you, and to glorify your name. Yes. We thank you for Messiah. Uh, who gives us life and gives it to us most abundantly. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Oh, thank you so much, Rabbi Gary. I want to thank Rabbi Gary Drashinsky, Beth Ariel's pastor, as I say. They're a fellowship in Canoga Park that reaches out to the Jewish community. And I just would encourage you to check them out at bethariel.org. There's some amazing amazing services coming up that you may want to bring family to or friends, and it would be such a joy to visit this church, because I guarantee you, you're going to walk away understanding what tradition really means in the eyes of a believer. And we know that uh, if you have Jewish friends, what a great opportunity to invite them to one of the celebrations that they're familiar with and allow them to see their Messiah, their Yeshua, right? Yeshua the Messiah. Yeshua Absolutely. the Messiah. Well, blessings to you all. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of A Passion for Christ. We'll look forward to uh, having you join us next Saturday at 730. Have a blessed weekend and enjoy the Lord tomorrow. Amen. You've been listening to A Passion for Christ, sponsored by 99.5 KKLA. Tune in again next week at this time for another intimate glimpse of what God is stirring in the hearts of Southern California's pastors here on A Passion for Christ.